So how's your summer going? It's been a good summer. Today feels like, is that it? Is it done? I've seen the forecast. It's meant to get better this week. For us as a family, and I'm talking about my family, and I'm talking about some of the people that I've interacted with and heard, there's been some good points this year. It's been a long summer. If you're a child and you're in school, there's been a lot of no school days where you can stay up a little bit later. I don't know if in your home, if it means you stay up later, the children lay in in the morning. That doesn't always seem to be the case for every family. But there's been some good moments. We, as a family, have visited various new places, or within a fairly small corner of the country. But we've enjoyed seeing the people that we can see, albeit from a distance. There's also been some pretty not-so-good moments. I just referenced some of the moments that we are aware of in the wider news. Um, I had a conversation with a staff a week ago, and it just felt like a right place to give people an opportunity to air some of their frustrations. And I opened a, I opened a tap, I turned something on, and there were, there were plenty where we've missed not being able to see families, where weddings have been cancelled, and events that we were looking forward to, some of them have been planned a long time in advance, just kept being cancelled. Um, but one thing that we did notice, and I want to look at that as we explore this passage, Acts 8. One thing that we have noticed is God can use it all. And today, the message, the passage I want to look at, is a passage where there's quite a lot going on, but there is this common theme that God can use it all. And I believe that he can, and I believe that he does. So I'm going to introduce Catherine, and Catherine's going to read to us from Acts 8, and then we're going to delve into it a little bit deeper. Good morning. Okay, try that again. And Saul was there giving approval to his death. And that comes from um, Acts 7, the stoning of Stephen. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many, many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, 
they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money? You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian, eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him, that the, told him the good news of, about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, sorry about that one, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. When both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at uh, Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Thank you, Catherine. So in this passage, it moves, and there's quite a few stories within the story. I want to just touch on a few and then kind of camp down in one of them. Yeah. The Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch story, for me, reminds me of, have you ever been on one of those car journeys, those long car journeys where you're driving with someone, 
for ages, but you have the best conversations. I think that's how I imagine that story. So that's where we're going to spend some time. But just to introduce that in the context of that passage, it begins with this sense of persecution where the church are scattered and the apostles stay in Jerusalem. But because of the persecution, there's the stoning of Stephen, this character we looked at last week. There is this fear and there's this moment. And persecution changes things. For most of us, the initial response would be one of fear and concern. And that's understandable. But it has an effect and God uses it. I made the comment a few moments ago that God can use it all, and this passage is full of these illustrations. So in this story, they move. It says that the apostles stay in Jerusalem, and everybody else is scattered. Now this is quite an interesting shift. Up until this point, the people that we hear proclaiming the goodness of Jesus, where there's these moments where the Holy Spirit comes and lots of people are added, it's the apostles. But now, there is a shift in the story, and the people are scattered, but yet we keep hearing stories of people hearing the good news and responding to Jesus. Because God isn't just using the apostles, he's using the anybody and the everybody. This isn't the professionals, this is the servants. This is anyone and everyone. If you study the original text, in terms of what did they say, it says they simply shared the good news. They weren't experts, but they simply shared the good news. And we see, as we read on, that God uses it all. In our context, at the moment, we can't gather like we would like to, like we used to. And I miss that. But I do know that God can use this moment. I do know that the, the plan isn't, let's just wait for this moment to end and then God will use it again. God can use this moment. God is in it all. Let me give you an illustration. I've got some grass seed here. If, if I sow it like this, it's going to grow in that spot, right? But it's not going to have a huge effect. But if we sow it and scatter it, it's going to yield more grass. It's going to produce a greater crop. Whatever seed this is, grass seed or, or any other seed, the scattering effect is going to produce a greater harvest than let's just keep piling it in one place. Now, I love the meeting together, and I'm not saying the big pile is our meeting together. We need those moments of coming together. But the scattering effect has a bigger effect, a bigger consequence, a greater fruitfulness. And this is a point in this Acts story where there's a shift, where the apostles who were, you know, really good at what they were doing, they'd spent time with Jesus and they were very full of his presence in a powerful way. They stayed in the same place, but everybody else scattered and the crop just gets bigger and wider. And I've heard sto stories during this time where some people have had conversations with neighbors and friends who previously they hadn't really had many conversations with. We had a, a, a circle at our apartment. We haven't got a, a lot of space, but we sat out the front. And we had conversations with people and invited people to, to attend and to watch the service with us who previously were nowhere near attending or watching or being part of our service. And it reminds me that this scattered effect in itself can be very fruitful. This is God's idea, and we see in this passage in Acts is a shift that's going in this direction. 
Let me just make this comment in terms of church. My desire is that everyone hears the good news of Jesus. So the idea that the church should grow, should be fruitful, should increase in number makes sense to me. I feel that that's an appropriate way, kind of direction. If you had any fruit tree and it wasn't growing, it wasn't producing fruit, you would ask, why is this not producing fruit? Because healthy things should grow. And I'm looking and hearing these stories in Acts and these stories of circles and other conversations, and I'm wondering if the scattered approach is something that God can use for us now. I believe it is. And it isn't the experts, it's not the professionals, it's anybody and everybody just sharing the good news of Jesus. This is the point when that really starts to get some traction in this passage. This wind with notes is great fun. So verse 9, Simon the sorcerer. This is this person who brags of his own name and his own reputation. And then Philip comes along and brags of the name of Jesus and the reputation of God. And that changes everything. It always does. And then in verse 14, there's this story where it says that we've heard that you've received the word of God, but you haven't received the Holy Spirit. Don't just receive the word of God, but not the power of God. The person of the Holy Spirit is needed too. So they come back and they bring and they pray and they lay on hands for the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes in power. And then we get to the story of Philip and he's on a journey and he's going somewhere. And it says an angel of the Lord spoke to him and said, go this direction. He's going from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is about 70 miles and it says that the angel of the Lord, or the Spirit of the Lord, said, take the desert road. Now, the desert road is the long way round. It's about 10 miles further to get from the same place to the desired destination. But the Spirit of the Lord says, I want you to take the desert road. I want you to go the long way round. Now, for many of us, at times, we may feel like we've had the same request. Take the long way round. There was a time when we were visiting Sarah's family a few years ago, uh, and we had a flight cancelled. And we were in Pittsburgh, and we were trying to get from Pittsburgh to London. And the person said, the flight's been cancelled, but the good news is I can get you on another flight. It leaves in an hour. It goes via Washington State, and then it goes across. Now, I wasn't great at geography, but Sarah's looking at me like, no, no. I mean, that really is the long way round. But sometimes in life, in relationships, in work, we find ourselves going the long way around. But this is a God moment in disguise. So the angel says to Philip, take the long way around. And so he takes this way and he sees a chariot. And someone's reading a text and asking a question. And I imagine this person kind of believes something but doesn't entirely know what they believe. Which actually probably is your neighbors, friends, colleagues, the people that you know. Most people believe something, but they don't know what they believe. They may have seen an expression of faith or church, and they're like, no, I don't like that. Philip strikes up a conversation, and he doesn't go in there with a hard, you must believe this. He says, hey, what do you think? Do you understand? Which the person replies, not really, but if someone could explain it, that would help. I love the conversation, and Philip says, yeah, let me have a go. So he gets in the chariot, and off they go. And like I say, I imagine it's one of these long journeys where you have the best conversations and he expands the scripture of this old testament prophet isaiah expands that it's jesus and jesus has come and it means this for you and me and for everyone and there's this shift 
that happens. There's this powerful moment where they see some water and he says, here's some water. And then he asks this question, what is there that could stop me from being baptized? I love the question and I love the answer even more. The answer is nothing. Because if you believe in your heart, and if there has been this moment where we recognize we've messed up, we've fallen short, and we need Jesus, we invite him in, he comes in. And what tends to happen is when something has changed inside, it changes what happens on the outside. And baptism is that moment. Baptism is that moment where we tell people on the outside what has changed on the inside. And for Philip, in this conversation with this this person in a chariot just along the way, taking the long way round, probably wondering, why are we on this road? There's a quicker way. God uses that moment. And he sees some water. And he says, what's to stop me? And I love the fact that there isn't a, well, you need to sit this course for this number of weeks. You need to pass this test. And then we'll grade you and decide that you made the cut and you didn't make the cut. That isn't what we see in the scripture. What we see is if there is this heartfelt something's moved inside me the answer is yes always let's jump in the pool which leads us nicely into what we're going to do next we're going to celebrate baptism in a moment i'm going to invite maddie brown and she's going to come up and say something with josh and amanda but i do want to make this comment if you haven't been baptized it's as simple as the story in acts 8 where there's someone who's asking questions because he doesn't know all of the answers which it's kind of all of us at times. But inside that person, there's a heartfelt shift where I want to know Jesus. I want to receive Jesus. I want that to change me on the inside. And I want to declare that on the outside. I want what God has done inside of me, not just to be private, but I want it to be public. Because baptism is this moment where it is a public declaration. And the water reflects a cleansing and an end. It's like an old life dies and a new life begins. If you, haven't, if you haven't been baptized, or perhaps you were and it wasn't your decision, somebody else made it for you, and now you're at a point where this is your decision, today could be your day too. The water's fairly warm at the moment, and as we see in this passage, what can stop you being baptized? Not much, very little. So I'm going to introduce Maddie, and if you too would like to be baptized, what we're going to do, we're going to have Maddie come up, and the Browns are going to come up, and then we're going to all head in the direction of the house and the pool. Friends and family of Maddie have been invited to come up poolside so they can see and get a better view. For the rest of us, we're going to do the best that we can around that area, aware that we're going to try and stay, stay safe distances away from each other. And then we're going to get in our cars and we're going to leave. We're not going to come back into the field. So we're going to head in that direction. If you want to be baptized and you haven't been, have a conversation with me between here and there and we'll make it happen. So that's how we're going to do this.